Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. It took a while for, I think, Biden and Democrats to acknowledge that they had to do something. Like, there was maybe this hope that Manchin would just somehow, like, support Build Back Better in its form and they wouldn't have to make difficult choices. And I did a big story maybe a month ago that was kind of like Democrats are not making these choices and they're, you know, almost in denial about their challenges. Like fantasy land. Right, fantasy land. And then it, and then it became, you know, hope that once Biden, you know, made clear that, look, it's not going to be what, what it was, but we can still do something. There was hope that, hey, you know what, but let's get back to the drawing board. Since then, in the, in the last few weeks, I mean, I really haven't had any sense this is a top agenda item. Democrats have, have moved to other, you know, things that they feel like are, are kind of easier to do right now. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, reporter Josh Siegel. There's frustration for sure that things haven't really kind of picked up in maybe the way that it seemed when Biden really reset expectations. On expectations versus reality, something of a scorecard on where President Biden is at in his climate agenda. One of his biggest priorities that right now is looking a little stalled out. I would say that it is taking body blows of late, but still has a chance to heal itself if everything lines up correctly. That's very superhero-esque. <laughs> yeah, that was, I think that was what I was going for. So, Josh, you have a piece out with reporters Alex Gann and Kelsey Tamburino where you talk about how Joe Biden elevated climate change to be one of the top four issues of his administration, along with battling the pandemic, rebuilding the economy and fighting racism. But that right now the climate agenda is really in neutral. Why? Yeah, the biggest reason and the most visible item of his agenda to stall is Build Back Better, which is the broader social and climate policy package that Senator Joe Manchin has said he can't support in its current form. And really all along, it's 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 been almost more than half a, a climate change bill. You know, there's there's 550 billion in there for clean energy and climate initiatives. And really Biden was was hanging on this to help achieve his really aggressive targets for the US to have a carbon-free power grid by 2035 and to cut U.S. emissions in total across the economy by at least half by 2030. So without that, Democrats are are being very frank in saying we would have very little chance of meeting those targets. Okay, so for something of a scorecard, before we dig into the setbacks, what have Biden's biggest achievements been so far on the climate front? Achievement-wise, I think the biggest thing was just off the bat, you know, the tonal shift, the re-engagement in international climate diplomacy, U.S. being a leader at the table. I mean, that is, that's significant. That's real. Uh, Biden hosted a a big U.S. climate summit off the bat. That was a campaign promise. And it was virtual during COVID times, but seeing China, you know, come and and Russia, leaders from these countries, I mean, it, it was significant. Other big emitters you know, showed up with leadership virtually. And then, of course, there was a U- United Nations climate conference in Glasgow, Scotland, and this was mm-hmm. back in November. And there were some meaningful achievements that came out of that that was really driven by U- the U.S. Biden appointed a climate envoy, John Kerry. We all know John Kerry, mm-hmm. former uh, Secretary of State and, and Senator. He's long been a leader. He helped reach the Paris Agreement. And, uh, and yeah, we've, we saw some accomplishments come out of that. We saw a global methane pledge 
for over 100 countries agreeing to cut methane emissions 30% by 2030. And methane is a very potent pollutant that doesn't get the attention that carbon carbon dioxide does, but it's very important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, he, he, the U.S. reached an agreement with China. China didn't really do a ton new here, but you know, for the U.S. and China to say we, there's agreement, we need to do more this decade to cut emissions, that was seen as significant. And other than the international front, he's done a lot on regulations to at least get the ball rolling through his EPA doing emissions of methane, which I mentioned before, which would help the U.S. contribute to that global pledge. Mm-hmm. He's done uh, you know, fuel efficiency, making vehicles, uh, the existing fleet cleaner while setting a goal for EV new EV sales to be 50% of all sales by 2030. So he's really he's really done a lot, you know, what he can do, you know, on his own. He, he's kind of set a lot of that in motion. And then what are some of the other setbacks on the climate front other than build back better? Yeah, so there's been, you know, some items that have maybe gone under the radar, but have been pretty significant. And and it's, you know, maybe early to say they're total setbacks, but they're they're definitely faltering along the way here. So for example, we had President Biden you know, paused oil and gas drilling on federal lands. And that was a, an, another campaign promise. He actually said he would stop it all together, but he basically set this pause and said, we're, we're going to review the program, see if there's a way to do that in a cleaner fashion. And a federal court uh, out of Louisiana ended up overturning that. And that led to the administration doing a big uh, offshore oil and gas lease sale in the Gulf of Mexico. And that got a lot of criticism from liberals, but Biden administration officials said, look, we're just following this court ruling. Now, a court, another court subsequently said that those leases were uh, issued illegally and that they weren't done. Uh, you know, the, the environmental reviews that uh, were a part of that were done under the Trump administration, actually, that they were deficient. So, again, that just shows there's a lot of back and forth with the courts. Yeah. But the setbacks have been in the courts. We've seen another just Friday, actually. Very recently, we saw a federal judge issue an injunction to block Biden administration from using its estimate on the economic impacts of future carbon emissions. It's called a social cost of carbon that agencies take into account when issuing new rules to justify them. So that, again, just an injunction, but not the best sign. And and we, we all have our eyes on a big Supreme Court case coming up dealing with the EPA and power sector regulations. So there's, yeah. there's a lot, lot hinging on the courts whenever you do anything with regulations, which is why so many people are expecting Build Back Better. Right. Yeah. Tell me about the that Supreme Court case happening later this month. Yeah. So this is, this is definitely pretty ominous uh, for the administration. So we all know that the Supreme Court is conservative majority now. Mm-hmm. It surprised a lot of Supreme Court watchers. They decided to take a look at a case dealing with EPA's ability to regulate carbon from power plants, which are usually the most visible or the sector that we think about the most. It's the second most polluting sector behind transportation. And the Obama administration tried to do this through their clean power plan, which got a lot of attention. The Supreme Court even back, this was back in 2016, they put a stay on that. So they blocked it. And the Trump administration went back and did a much weaker version of that. And now the Biden administration is back to the drawing board and trying to do something that they hope can pass legal muster. But EPA has said even before Biden has issued any rule, he hasn't even moved yet in this space. We're going to just review what EPA can do in this space because it's it's kind mm-hmm. of unsettled. We, mm-hmm. we you know, it, it hasn't been something that's been ruled upon. So they said, you know, based off what happened with the Trump rule and the, and the Obama rule, we're, we're going to settle this once and for all. And a lot of people are, you know, very wary uh, on the on the left and uh, environmental groups that the Supreme Court, given its makeup, would 
do something, you know, very limiting and say the EPA can't can't do much in this area beyond just kind of regulating what's called inside the fence line, regulating at a power plant rather than saying a power plant, you should move from coal to gas to renewables, but no, you can make yourself more efficient and emit less of what you're already producing, be it coal or gas. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's very ominous. We'll, we'll see. I mean, the court could always surprise, but there's a lot of people uh, skittish about that. Another specter that seems to be looming over congressional Democrats is the midterms, because there's a strong possibility that they will lose the majority. So how do the midterms affect Biden's climate goals? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that explains why there's such such angst over Build Back Better. And, you know, we've seen Democrats say, uh, President Biden himself, say that they can salvage that by doing, you know, maybe you take the climate provisions, which surprisingly, despite, you know, Manchin representing a, a big coal state, West Virginia, you know, he, he hasn't said anything terribly negative about the remaining climate provisions. Now, he's already weakened that package. There there was a program in there that would have actually clamped down on fossil fuels and, and strongly encouraged a transition from fossil fuel plants to mm-hmm. plants, you know, running cleaner energy. So we don't have that in this package. But he's he said positive things. So there's still a hope that they could reorient, rename it, whatever. It's not Build Back Better, but we can do climate. We can take a few of the social policy items, but not all of them, mm-hmm. and do something here. But yeah, I mean, there the stakes are the timing is is very relevant because you know as you mentioned the midterms are coming up and as Senator Tina Smith of of Minnesota she's a big big climate hawk you know she told me I mean it doesn't get any easier to do this it only gets harder you know yeah. as the calendar <laughs> proceeds here we know that Republicans have kind of weaponized the the climate energy issue before when Democrats try to pass a cap and trade a carbon pricing bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people remember that one. Democrats lost control of Congress. So yeah, there, you know, there's, there's a fear over that. And, and, and also what's relevant here is, is the pandemic has, you know, we all know about inflation. It's really affected energy. We've seen the price of gasoline, you know, very visible to people. That's one of the, the, the things that always kind of weighs on on an administration. And we've seen very high gasoline prices because of high oil prices globally. And yeah, so that makes it almost a guarantee that Republicans are going to kind of use the broader energy agenda of this administration. They're going to try to blame that, although, you know, most analysts don't think what Biden's done in this area has had much of an effect. But yeah, I mean, it it makes it all the much more kind of urgent. I think you're going to see the positioning of both parties, you know, really amplified given that energy issues are already kind of front and center in people's lives. Where do you think things go from here? What are you going to be watching out for in the coming weeks and months? I know that Democrats, they're very constant in saying that Manchin, Joe Manchin has said positive things about the climate provisions and that we, we, we almost had agreement with him before everything went haywire on climate. It was really those other social policy issues that that stalled this. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, like, to me, based on my reporting and sourcing, I think that's a little bit overstated. Like Manchin, there's definitely things in this package that he likes. There's tax credits for technologies that he likes, like nuclear power, carbon capture, which would help fossil fuel plants in his state. But, you know, I feel like they're going to have to make these choices, just like they're being faced with now on the broader agenda within the climate piece. And you could see something like electric vehicle tax credits, which he's never been wholly supportive of, especially the credits as designed that would go even more, there'd be even more subsidies for union-made vehicles, which is not something he's supportive of given Toyota manufacturers in his state and is not unionized workers. So, I mean, something like that could fall out and, you know, you could see more more of these 
them being forced to make more of these choices. And I'm curious if those choices are made and there is really a, a true effort to resuscitate something here, like how do they position it? Because, you know, before we've, we've seen a, a shifting, I, I told you earlier that there was this program that would have really clamped down on fossil fuels. And at first Democrats were saying, we really need that. It's essential. And then once that was pulled out because Manchin didn't want it, it was, oh, these tax credits actually are going to get us you know, almost to Biden's goals will be on a path because of that. So like, at what point does it become, hey, we just need to pass something. And then like, that thing isn't as significant as maybe what it could be. So yeah, how do they kind of position whatever comes out of this, if something does, is, is going to be pretty telling, I think. Josh Siegel, thank you so much for talking with me. Alrighty, thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Also today, Democratic Senator Ben Ray Lujan, who is recovering from a stroke in January, said in a video released Sunday that he plans to be back at work in just a few short weeks to vote on President Joe Biden's forthcoming Supreme Court nominee. And over the weekend, Secretary of State Antony Blinken met his Japanese and South Korean counterparts in Hawaii to discuss the threat posed by North Korea after Pyongyang began the year with a series of missile tests. Blinken said that North Korea was in a phase of provocation and that the three countries were very closely consulting on further steps. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.